Um, anyway, I, th- I, think it, I think everything's together. Uh, but why don't, we, uh, why don't we open with prayer and then we'll begin. Father God, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you that we could worship you twice today, that we could be with you in your presence. Thank you for being here with us. God, I pray now that as we approach your word, that your spirit be here with us, that your spirit inspire us, that you show us things we haven't seen before, that you challenge us where we need to be challenged. Some of the things we'll look at today are difficult. They're tough to believe. I'll admit that I struggle with them too. And yet there they are. So I pray that you reveal the things that we need to see, that you move in our hearts where we need to be moved. I pray that the words that I've worked on, that that you've helped me prepare, are your words and not my own, so that what comes out is your word, which we know will never return empty. We pray all of these things in your son's name. Amen. So it's good to see many of you again, a few of you for the first time. Uh, so if, you're, if you haven't been around the church lately, what we've been doing is we've been working through a Lent reading. We've been reading through the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, we've been reading through them parallelly, so we've been working on them all at the same time. So we've been reading for Lent. So this morning we talked about one of those readings that you'll see next week, and tonight we're going to do the same thing. Tonight we're going to be looking at the power of the Holy Spirit and how we begin to develop a relationship with Him. If you were here this morning... What we talked about um, was working on giving pieces of our lives over to the Holy Spirit so that we can actually live in the fullness of life God has promised us. We looked at, if anyone wishes to be my disciple, he needs to deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, but the one who loses his life for my sake will find it. And we looked at Peter and how Peter needed to be in tune with the Holy Spirit to get that right. He needed to understand uh, what the, where the Spirit was leading, um, and so that he could understand the things about God. And so tonight we're going to talk about that a little bit more. How do, what, how do we get in tune with the Holy Spirit, and what does it mean if we do? Now, when I, when I started working on this passage, I realized that there were parts of it that are really difficult to work with. And I'm going to put them out there for you tonight, just so that you can think about them. There are statements that Jesus makes that I'm not 100% sure what to do with, but I'm going to present them and hopefully you can think about them and we can work on them together. And hopefully they'll inspire you. Hopefully the Spirit will inspire you. So in order to begin, let's look at Mark 9, uh, starting at verse 14. If you need a Bible, I'm sure you can raise your hand. Someone will get you one. Scott will. Scott will get you one. Thanks, Scott. (laughs) It's great. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. Scott's got you. So, excellent. Thank you, Scott. Scott and Bob, they're going to double. That's great. That's great, guys. Thanks. So we're looking at Mark 9, verse 14. Mark 9, 14. And it's actually paralleled, if, you, if you're interested, in Matthew 17, 14, and Luke 9, 37. So I don't know if you've got a bunch of bookmarks or something, you want to go to all of those, you're welcome to. But we're going to focus primarily on Mark 9. Mark 9, 14, which says this. When they came to the other disciples, now Jesus had been away at this point and he's coming towards the other disciples. They saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. 
Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground, and he foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth, and it becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the Spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When, he, when the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed, and violently came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse, many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his, disciple asked, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can only come out through prayer. So the story opens with a group of people surrounding a boy who is possessed by a demon. And this is a particularly nasty one, right? His boy's father says that this demon has been there with this child since, or, since he was a very small child. And has at a number of occasions tried to actually kill the child by throwing him into water so he would drown or throwing him into fire so he would burn. He goes rigid, he foams at the mouth. It's a nasty demon. And so apparently we see that the disciples had tried and attempted to cast out this demon and they failed. Now we do need to realize something. That the disciples at this point had cast out many demons before. This is not their first run at it. We actually know from earlier in Scripture that they had confidently cast out large numbers of demons. They had actually healed the sick they had done a lot of miraculous signs up to this point, and yet they find themselves powerless. And in this case, their ineffectiveness had caused quite a stir. There were people out looking at them. So the question we're going to be looking at today is why? Why were they successful so many times before and ineffective this time? We'll ask that question, and then we'll follow that up by saying, what in the world does that have to do with us? So we begin by looking at the disciples. And this passage gives us a number of reasons why, in this case, the disciples' abilities or powers whatever, or gifts, whatever you'd like to call them, were not working. First, first we see that this story is told in all three Gospels. It's told in Matthew. Or, I know there are four Gospels, but it's told in all three synoptic Gospels. Sorry, that means Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Not so much in John in this case. So it's told in all three synoptic Gospels. It's told in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And actually, the story varies quite a bit. Now, the point of the story remains the same, but the dialogue and some of the details vary quite a bit. Except for one phrase. You unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? That statement's the same in all three. 
And so we see that in this statement, the primary reason the disciples failed was their lack of faith. Jesus says it explicitly in Matthew. They said, why, can we not, why couldn't we cast out this demon? He said, because you, of your lack of faith. If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could move mountains. Now, this section is always tricky. Whenever we talk about the relationship between faith and God doing things, things can get sticky. And I actually wish I had said some of the things I'm going to say now at the eye study earlier today, but I didn't. So I'll say them now. Hopefully, if there are people that were at both, just to backwards apply it. What, the reason it gets sticky is because it's very clear in the Bible that there is a relationship to the, what we've, the faith that we have and the ability, for God, the ability for us to do things through God. We know it because this passage says it flat out. Like I said, if you read it in Matthew, the disciples ask, why couldn't we do this? And Jesus says, because you didn't have enough faith. And there really is no other way to look at it. It just says that. And so we have to figure out what to do with that. There are times in which things that, that could happen don't happen because of someone's lack of faith. Now, where this gets sticky is whenever we say that, people often think that the disciples failed because of their lack of faith. That means there must be many other instances in which someone's lack of faith prevented God from doing the good things he wanted to do. And that's tough. Especially, it is especially difficult if someone has experienced either the sickness of a loved one or the decaying of a relationship or something like that. Because they begin to think that if they had just prayed harder or better or had a stronger faith, that the relationship wouldn't have been dissolved or the person wouldn't have died. They begin to believe that it was their fault that these things happened. Now let me be very clear. That is not true. Because we actually see that in this passage as well. We see two sides of the same coin. One, the disciples' lack of faith prevented them from continuing to do the good things that they were doing. That is just what it is. But we also see in this passage that Jesus overcomes the Father's lack of faith. Both things right next to each other exist in the same passage. The two things are in tension, and we need to be constantly aware of that. The devil wants nothing more than to convince us that the reason something bad happens is because we're not good enough or that God's not powerful enough. And that's not true. It takes, us, it takes wisdom to discern between the two of those and figure out what it means. So we'll begin by exploring the disciples. Like I've already said, the disciples ask in Matthew, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus answers them, because you had such little faith. Truly I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Nothing will be impossible for you, Jesus says. So we look at the disciples. They had been doing great things. They had seen the power of God. But in this case, their faith was weak. And we have to ask why that would be. But Mark does give us some insight here. He says they hadn't prayed. They had been doing great things, but they had failed to connect with the Holy Spirit and became powerless. Now, some people suggest the disciples had become complacent in their gifts. They had been so used to their success, they started to believe it was really them who were doing amazing things. Or as someone said earlier today, they thought, they thought of themselves as pretty hot stuff. Right? They thought, we're great. We can do great things. And just because... 
God, get, Jesus gave us this power once. We don't need to stay in connection with the Holy Spirit. That, because the disciples had done that. They had regularly healed the, healed the sick. They regularly spoke from the Spirit. They regularly cast out demons. They had done a ton of miraculous signs and wonders. It's plausible then that they started to believe that they were more special than they actually were. And it's possible they lost their focus. Jesus points out to his disciples that prayer is the foundation of their power. Or in other words, the relationship with the Holy Spirit is the foundation of their abilities. The disciples were just men without their connection to the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says prayer is the foundation of our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now all of us have been given gifts by God. We call them spiritual gifts. We've been talking about that around here a little bit. We all have been given special skills and abilities through the power of the Spirit. And that makes us a critical part of the whole. Each one of you here has something to offer the church. Corinthians talks about it as we're all part of one big body. That each of us brings a different ability or skill or something to contribute to the whole. And when we're together, we do amazingly powerful things. Sorry, I lost my place here a second. Okay. Uh, there we go. Um, sheesh. So we can do amazingly powerful things when we're together. I actually heard it explained this way recently. We are all pawns in the game of life. But paradoxically, when we let ourselves be pawns, we, may, we become more powerful than any other piece. If instead we pretend to be the king, we're worthless. Right? So each of us has a, has a gift. Each of us is supposed to be used by God. And, we're, and, to, and when we do that, we can do amazingly powerful things. We can work together to create something great. So we see here in Matthew, Jesus tells them that Jesus tells the disciples that their lack of faith is what is is the reason for their failure. Mark tells them that their lack of faith comes from their disconnect with the Holy Spirit. So you see, when the disciples are disconnected from the Holy Spirit, they're impotent. When we're disconnected from the Holy Spirit, we're impotent as well. They they cannot do what they've been called to do. They cannot be their part in the greater peace. Their purpose is stifled. And that can happen to us as well. When we don't listen to where the Holy Spirit is guiding, when we don't seek out his will, we can become impotent and our purpose of the church can be stifled. But Jesus says, to follow that up, with the Spirit, nothing is impossible. The power of the Spirit is endless. They can move mountains, he says. So I think in so many cases, we are like the disciples. Our walk with Jesus is peppered with doubt and disbelief. I know it is for me. There are certain parts of my faith that are much stronger than others. And I think that's the case for many of us. All of us can look at our faith life and say certain parts are stronger and other parts are weaker. My faith in Scripture is very strong. Even when we run run into some difficult passages like this one, My faith in my salvation is very strong. I rarely doubt that. My faith in the goodness of God is very strong. I really believe that God has my best interests in mind. But my faith in other areas is very weak. My faith in healing is weak. My faith in the speaking with the Holy Spirit is weak. It's growing, but it's weaker than I would like. 
My faith in God's ability to change someone who's been the same way up for a very long time is weak. Even though I've seen him do that in Daniel 4. So we have to realize that in both Matthew and Mark, Jesus is very clear. When we are in tune with the Holy Spirit, nothing is impossible for us. Or in Mark, he says, everything is possible for the one who believes. And those are two really big statements, aren't they? Just let those sit with you for a minute. Roll those statements around. Matthew says nothing will be impossible for you. Mark says everything is possible for the one who believes. Now, I often think that we hear those statements a little differently than Jesus said them. Those words can be comforting to many of us, but I think that we often detach them from ourselves. And we hear them as everything is possible for God. Now, of course, that's true. As we've already seen, all the power that, that anyone has comes through the Holy Spirit. But we often look at these statements as something distant or far away from what we do or what, what, what we are involved with. We look, them, look, look at them as statements that says that God will take care of it. That if I can't do anything, well, God will take care of it. But if we look at them again closely, we see that they're personal statements, aren't they? Nothing will be impossible for whom? For you. It's interesting isn't it? Jesus himself says in John 14, 12, Truly I tell you, whoever believes in me. So in case you were thinking those were words that were just for the apostles, they're not. I tell you the truth, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing and they will be even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Now, I'm not 100% sure what to do with that. It is what the Bible says. Everything will be possible for you. Nothing will be impossible. And whoever believes will do the things that Jesus did and they will be even greater than that. Those are big statements. And to be honest, my faith's not anywhere near the ability to do any of those kinds of things. But what I do know is that when we are in right relationship with God, things happen. Things we didn't think could happen do happen. Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And I think he meant it. In both passages, Jesus said, nothing will be impossible for you. But my guess is that for many of us, that statement is very far away from being true in your life. If you're anything like me, there are a whole bunch of things that are impossible. Right? So I want to ask, what would it mean if Jesus actually meant what he said? What would it mean if, for our lives if Jesus' statement of everything is possible for the one who believes is actually true? Perhaps it would mean that we've been underestimating the power of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps it would mean that we've been missing out on something really important. In I study for the past two weeks, we've been talking about spiritual gifts. We dreamed a little bit about what it would look like if our church was to all use our spiritual gifts well, if we were to use the whole power of the Holy Spirit well. And honestly, the picture was an exciting one. Corinthians, like I said, tells us that if we all work together, we become a functioning unit that can do amazing things. Galatians tells us that if we stay in step with the Holy Spirit, we will experience all the fruits of the Spirit. And so imagine with me, if you will, a church full of love and joy and peace. What would that look like? 
What would it do if, what would it look like if each of us were using our spiritual gifts in the way that God asks us to? I think it would look a lot like a little taste of heaven. It would look a lot like the growing, the growing God's kingdom by being active disciples, would it not? Now, I, go, I know that's a long ways from being everything or nothing being impossible. But, it, but if we were to imagine what it would look like to use our gifts well, I think we could start to imagine what else could be possible. So then the question remains, how in the world do we develop the kind of faith that can move mountains? Now, I know I said it earlier today, too, and I want to say it again now. Every time we're talking about weak and strong faith, it's so important that we not think that we can gain faith by just believing harder or with more force or will behind it. I'm going to say that again just so that it makes sure that that sits there. We cannot gain faith by just believing harder or putting more force or will behind it. We cannot will things to happen. That's called magic. So if something happened, it was not your fault for not believing hard enough because God knows where we are in our faith and will respond accordingly. And we'll see that here again in the story like we've already said. How do we gain faith that can move mountains? First, we see the boy's father. He has weak faith. Not no faith, just weak faith. He had taken his son to see the disciples because he at least had some kind of faith, or desperation, I guess, that they could do something. And when they failed, his faith in Jesus wavered as well. Now, this was just an interesting side note that I saw. It's interesting that the lack of faith of the religious leaders, in this case the disciples, affected the faith of another. I'll just let that sit. So if you're a leader of the church, realize that. That your lack of faith can affect the faith of another. The other thing that I saw was how often have we attributed the failure of our religious leaders, in this case the disciples, to Jesus himself. That seems to be what happens here with the boy's father. But regardless, the man comes to Jesus And after he's seen the disciples fail, he says, if you are able, will you do this? Now Jesus responds to him by saying, if you can. And the man's response is what I want to focus on. I think the boy's father responds in the way that we should. He realized he had weak faith. He had some, but a whole lot of doubt to go along with it. And notice, he isn't told to believe harder or do some exercises to strengthen his faith. He cries out to Jesus himself to help him with his unbelief. I do believe, but please help me overcome my unbelief. So we see here, unbelief and doubt is overcome by appealing to Jesus himself. God grows our faith, and in this case, Jesus still acts. We saw earlier the disciples' lack of faith prevents them from doing anything. But here, the father's lack of faith doesn't stop anything because he's taken the posture of being willing to let Jesus grow it. We grow our faith by leaning into Jesus and his promises for us and finding them to be true, which is what the boy's father did. He knew Jesus was the real deal, but he couldn't overcome his own unbelief on his own. And so Jesus honored that. So now if you were at this morning service, I challenge each of you to lean into God's promises. If you weren't at the morning service, I challenged everyone to lean into God's promises (laughs) and test them to see if they're true. 
We talked about giving up bits of yourself to the Holy Spirit, to deny yourselves and let him work and see what actually happens. God has promised that if we deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him, we will find life. So I'm challenging you here again. If you actually do that, if you lean into God's promises, your faith will grow. You'll begin to see them as true, and if that's true, then what else is true? When we lean into, when we lean into Jesus to find, out, to find his promises to be true, our faith grows. Not because of what we did, but because of what God does in us. And yes, that does require a level of perseverance. In James it says, uh, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Sometimes when we lean into Jesus, it requires a level of perseverance, a level of pushing through to see the promise on the other side. It also requires a level of understanding. We need to understand what Jesus has actually promised so that we can lean into the appropriate areas. And it also requires a relationship with Jesus, which is what we see here in this passage. We need to be able to know where he's leading and be able to cry out to him, please help me through my unbelief. Which brings me to the final point of tonight's message. It's the foundation of the whole thing. In order to be able to lean into Jesus, we need to know him. We need to experience him and we need to understand how the Spirit is leading us. And so like Jesus said, we need to know how to pray. The disciples' connection with the Holy Spirit had been compromised. And Jesus has suggested it was because they hadn't prayed. They hadn't talked to God. They didn't understand his will for the situation. Now, now as you continue through the reading uh, this Lent time, as you go through the Gospels, or if you're not doing that, next time you read through the Gospels, I want you to pay attention to how often Jesus prays. How often he gets back in contact with the Holy Spirit. Pay attention to Jesus' connection with the Holy Spirit. Pay attention to what happens when the disciples are tuned into the Holy Spirit and look at what happens when they aren't. I think you'll be interested in what you find. If we are truly going to experience some amazing things available through our faith, we need to know God through the Holy Spirit. And we need to find that through prayer. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5 to pray without ceasing, to be constantly and always connected with God through the Holy Spirit to constantly check in to see where he's going so that we can grow in our faith in that way. Now, each and every one of you is at a different point in your faith. God has blessed each of us with different strengths and weaknesses. For some of you, experiencing the Holy Spirit is brand new. That, that accepting that he may actually even have anything to do with our lives is tricky. That's going to stretch you beyond where you normally are. For others of you, it's something that you've already begun exploring. Where it doesn't, regardless of where you are, I want to challenge you to begin exploring a little further. I want to challenge you to reflect on the two things that we talked about today. Did Jesus really mean what he said when, that everything is possible for those who believe? And I want you to focus on what area of your faith you'd like to grow in. What area of your faith do you find to be weak? What area do you find to be strong? And then work to bit by bit increase that. To lean in to try to trust God in ways that you haven't before. 
Now, they should be closely related to where you are in faith. And it, it could be as simple as just understanding who the Holy Spirit is and what he does today. Or it could be complex as what does it mean to actually listen for God in prayer. It can be a number of different things depending on where you actually are. But take that area, lean into God, seek his will for your life, and see what he has in store for you. And begin to experience what life in the Spirit looks like. Let's pray. Father God, thank you again for being here with us in spirit. Thank you for working in each of our lives, for growing our faith, for, for showing us the amazing things that you can do. We pray that each of us can, that who continues to grow in our faith can find you and can find out what you do. We pray that you show us the areas in which we need to lean into our faith so that we can see it grow and see the amazing things that you can do. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.